to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tours, schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Drew Niffin on the line. He's the president at Niffin Capital Group. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. So I'm excited to get more into what kind of work you're doing over at Niffin Capital Group. But before we do that, let's get a little bit more into your background. So how did you get started in business and as an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. Uh, good question. So, I mean, from my earliest memory, I remember really enjoying business. I remember l- reading the sports pages as a kid, but also reading the business pages and just being fascinated by the way that the world worked. And, and so that was always a very interesting thing to me. Uh, fast forwarding to college, I knew I wanted to be in economics. And so I pursued that and uh, quickly followed up with a career in kind of finance and banking. So I was working at a lending organization after college, was enjoying that, was seeing how things got put together. And, uh, and then probably the next best step was to go to graduate school. And, and, and so I did. And so uh, I actually did a law degree. And so I got a, a kind of a corporate law background. And, and about halfway through law school, to sort of make the story quick, I, I realized that while the law as an idea was interesting, uh, the practice of law was not something that I wanted to do full time. Uh, lawyers, just as a general population, don't enjoy their careers. And so I pivoted. And, and added on an MBA to that degree. So I finished with a, a law degree and a business degree, and I was really excited. I was way to go and uh, wanted to jump into corporate America. And I did. I was in, I was in uh, investment banking, and I was sort of following the path that you're supposed to follow, quote, unquote, supposed to follow as a finance and business guy at a business school. And on the one hand, I was working really hard. On the other hand, um, I didn't feel like I had control of my destiny. And this is right around 08, 09, 10, 11. So it's those years there's a lot of turbulence in the economy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I just kind of – I also could look ahead at my peers, and I saw how many hours they were working. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I want to be doing that in five to ten years as I think about having a family and, and those sort of things. And I also thought to myself, I'm working – to make someone else's dreams come true. You know, I was working for someone else. And so there was this, there was this mindset that I had of, on the one hand, I'm doing the right thing, the right path. And on the other hand, I said, I don't know if I like this path. So there was this growing mm. itch inside of me about that. Um, and my, my first attempt to solve that was to switch from a more demanding career in investment banking over inside a Fortune 500. And so I worked in a Fortune 500 company, and that that got me halfway there. Um, but I still found myself inside kind of a machine. You know, there was tens of thousands of employees there. And I thought, I don't have a chance to make much of a difference in this organization. If I work twice as hard, it barely moves the needle, and my, my salary barely changes. And And I also found that the organization was very political. And so sometimes I would find myself um, sticking my head out with ideas and kind of getting, you know, um, getting beaten down for sort of, you know, rocking the boat. And, mm-hmm. and I just felt like my, what I had to offer was not, um, 
was not valuable for the organization. It was more like kind of keep your head down and just kind of plot ahead. So I had a growing itch over the years, number one, to be in business, but on the same, at the same time was uncomfortable with traditional business and the traditional path and was looking for something else where I could apply more of my instincts, a little bit more of my legal skill sets with the business skill sets and be able to make decisions on my own where I reap the successes and the failures of those decisions. So this, this is kind of this giant mix of feelings and experiences that, on the one hand, drove me in a certain path, on the other hand, made me feel not comfortable with the long, you know, multi-decade trajectory of that path. So, you know, you've obviously gone through some different changes, ups, down, sideways. I mean, lots of different different um, angles you've approached your career from. Now, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, obviously with hindsight being 2020, um, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give that, that young Drew that's just getting started if you were to be able to go back and have that conversation with him? Yeah, so, so um, I think the major piece of advice that I would give is, um, to be aware of what drives you, to be less concerned with the, the sort of talking points of the way you're supposed to go. That's, that's the one thing, because I think that deep down I had an instinct of the right direction, but I was burying that in order to go in the, the formal path. That's the one thing I'd say. And the second thing that I would say is um, don't punt on making decisions by going to graduate school. Hmm. Right. And and so that's that's in a way what I did. And I loved graduate school. I learned a ton. Those skill sets are useful today. It wasn't wasted time. But alternatively, if I could have taken all of those tuition dollars, but more importantly, all of that time that mm-hmm. I spent in years of graduate school and instead spent it on the, the school of hard knocks and gone out into the world and taken uh, you know, courageous decisions and, and gone for it then, I think that I'd be farther along now than I am. So I, I can't change the past. The past is in the past. But if I could go back and have that conversation, I, I think I would have gone directly into the, the field of business rather than sort of um, just put letters behind my name, which have a purpose, but maybe wasn't quite worth it uh, from where I sit now. So, Drew, let, let's switch it up a bit. I want to get more into what you're doing as president over at Nippon Capital Group. Um, what kind of projects do you typically work on? Yeah, so the, the, the work that we do exclusively is on we buy apartment buildings. We, we pool people's money together to buy apartment buildings, and we buy better, more efficient, better economies of scale properties than any of us could buy individually, right? So a lot of people have the mindset of, I would like some passive income. I'll go buy a single-family home. Maybe I'll buy a duplex. And that's where I started out. But the reality is that property managers at that size aren't as good. Uh, The lending restrictions, especially post-Dodd-Frank, are much tighter and limit our ability to scale. Um, And the volatility, when you simply have one or two or three single-family homes, there's a lot more volatility in your cash flow than there is when you have 200 units at a time. And so uh, by pooling our money together, we can buy better properties than any of us could buy on our own. So, so that's the kind of things that we're doing. We're, the, the fancy word for this is we're syndicating money in order to uh, buy the apartment buildings that both have uh, 
proven cash flow potential, as well as uh, proven value add strategies to, to you know, force appreciation in the property itself. Um, any particular areas that you, t- you tend to focus on? Like the, the, the area, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Um, Geography-wise, the, the, the places that tend to make the sense the most are in the southeastern United States. Uh, because it has a healthy mix of both cash flow and appreciation. So I live on the West Coast. I love living here. But on the West Coast, you're not going to buy properties where there's cash flow. And it's also true for the East Coast, by and large, too. The purchase price, you know, the amount of dollars you have to spend for every dollar of revenue is high to create cash flow. Whereas in other parts of the country, uh, you have to spend a lot fewer dollars to get that dollar of cash flow, right? And so we want to find properties where there's both a good opportunity for cash flow as well you're you're sort of already diversified in where income streams are coming from within that investment so it ends up being in the midwest in the southeast where where the um investment opportunities are the best so drew if somebody's listening to this and they want more information on nippon capital group um what's the best way for them to reach out yeah, the best way to reach out is, is through LinkedIn. Uh, it's Drew Niffin, and Niffin is the last name, K-N-I-F-F-I-N. And uh, I'm happy to share more ideas, more more of my thoughts with anyone there, or get connected with more uh, investment opportunities. So that, that's the best way to reach hold of me is that awesome. LinkedIn. Perfect. Um, well, hey, Drew, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling more about your background and also um, all the great work you're doing over at Niffin Capital Group. And to the audience, as always, I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, Drew, thanks again for coming on the show. No problem, Adam. Glad to do so. Thanks so much. 